Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. And welcome back to BGN Radio. I'm John Stolnes, and uh, we've got an Eagles preview show coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But BGN Radio, back on your little digital telephones. And uh, we are excited to be bringing you yet another year of Eagles football, an Eagles season in which we've never experienced this before. Defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, I want to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation, the guy that you've been wanting to hear Brandon Lee Galton from Bleeding Green Nation, the brains of the operation. BLG, it is so good to be doing this with you, man. How are you, buddy? John Stolnes, here I am. I am back on the airwaves, on the, the podcast waves, whatever you call it. The podcast waves, I indeed. am finding myself at a loss for words because, look, I haven't done a podcast in a couple of months. This is, this is <laughs> uncharted territory for me. For the first time since like 2013, I've gone two months without talking about the Eagles into a microphone in my, in wow. my normal podcast space. So it's, it's a very different thing for all of us here obviously there there have been some some big changes but overall the most important thing out of all of this is that we are back and the Philadelphia Eagles are defending Super Bowl champions and look it's I'll address the elephant room yeah. there right away. Like obviously things are different. Uh, I, I'm not really able to get into all of that right now. I want to be able to address that to our loyal listeners and our loyal readers mm-hmm. and hopefully we get to that point but for right now, uh, we're kind of just focusing on the next step for what all of this is, and it is very new. So I ask you for your patience with us. I ask you to give us you know, time to settle in here and for you to get adjusted to all this. It is all very new. We are all working hard, I can assure you, to you know make the best Eagles content and podcast we can, as we always do. And, John, I am looking forward to working with you, my friend. For those who do not remember... Mr. John Stolness. I mean, I don't know how you already don't know him, but he was doing a great job with our old friend Matt Daring on the BGN Radio preview shows back in 2016. Johnny did a great job with that. And not only that, I mean, I think the biggest thing and the mo- probably one of the most important things to remember here is that Mr. John Stolness did not give up on the Eagles when Carson Wentz went down. I mean, he was probably <laughs> one of the most staunch people who still believed in this team. And he was writing that Nick Foles could be the Je- the next Jeff Hotstetler as Mr. John Stolness occasionally contributes to bleedinggreennation.com. So you, you, you might know him as the Phillies guy, but he, he can certainly talk about the Eagles, too. 
Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, and I'm psyched to do this because it was such a blast to to do the preview shows with Matt uh, a couple years ago. Matt was terrific to work with, and uh, I got to work with you, and um, it was it was really fun to do that a couple years ago. I missed it last year. Of course, my leaving the podcast was probably the reason they went on that Super Bowl run, so I, I hope I'm not I jinxing about anything that. by coming back. That. Yeah. It's it's something to consider, man. I mean, I, I if I'm that guy, then I guess I'll be that guy. But no, it's you know, and I've been a diehard Eagles fan since the the mid '80s, since the first Buddy Ryan year. I mean, I I remember the scab season when when Buddy's boys went seven and five, and the replacements kept them from getting into the playoffs. I remember the 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 fake kneel down against Dallas. You know, I I remember Randall's back scrambling. I remember the the good and the bad and the really ugly of the Rich Cotite era, man. I mean, I. I, I lived through Ray Rhodes. I, I lived through fourth and one. I remember watching that game in my college dorm. I, it's, it's. I was at. I was at fifty-eight to thirty-seven. The wild card game against the Lions in ninety-five. Man, I was. I was. So I mean, I've got. I like what I have. I think I have what I like to call institutional knowledge of this team. You know, I can. I can. I can refer back to the early Andy Reid days. I can refer back to you know to to the last season of Ray Rhodes. You know that. As being able to write for BleedingGreenNation.com a little bit last year um, was was really good to flex those Eagles muscles, and um, you know I'm just I'm psyched to be talking about the super the defending Super Bowl champions that you and I are going to be doing a preview show every week here where we we take a look at that next week's game, and you know as far as the the future of this podcast, Brandon, we we've got some really exciting news. I mean this is this is part of a a whole new a whole new push that we're doing here with SB Nation and Philadelphia as a whole with podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, John. I mean. And we have a great group of people we're working here. We still have the Kissed and Solak show that everyone loves yeah. on BGN Radio. I'm so glad we're able to keep that. Obviously, Michael Kissed, Benjamin Solak being extremely knowledgeable about football. I say too much. Yep. I think they know way too much about football sometimes. <laughs> and they're talking over my head and they make me look dumb, which is bad. And I probably have to end up firing them someday. But jokes aside, those guys are That's great. I'm so glad to have them here. Um, and then who knows? I mean, this is a, a whole new thing for us. Like this is the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We're gonna you're gonna have your BGN radio show with John Stolnitz and I. We or we could be interacting with Kist and Solak as well. Um, they're gonna have their show. Uh, who knows what else? What other possibilities there are? There are a lot of possibilities here. So I am excited to kind of figure out how it all works out. And you know, I think we're off to a good start here. Yeah, and in Bleeding Green Nation, obviously we have a, a feed here for, for podcasts, but also, you know, make sure you're checking out the other SB Nation Philly sites too, Liberty Ballers, the, the Sixers uh, podcast, the Broad Street Hockey podcast that follows the Flyers, and uh, the, the other podcast that I'm going to be a part of, it, you know, if you're if anybody's listening knows about Hit and Season, knows about the Good Fight, you know, we have a, we have a, a Good Fight um, uh, podcast as well. So that we're going to be launching with 12 shows total across all four Philadelphia sports platforms and uh it's 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 going to be it's just it's going to be really really cool i think that you know everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction but like like brandon said you know just kind of bear with us for a little bit as we kind of get our feet you know if there's uh, some stumbles along the way we'll we'll work through them quickly but the main the main thing brandon is we're going to be doing some some eagles talk here once again on bgn radio and i want to call you guys out there to make sure no matter wh- wherever you find us subscribe please to this podcast rate and review the show Go to bleedinggreennation.com. The show will be there as well. Look for the Bleeding Green Nation podcast 
podcast feed uh, where you'll find BGN Radio as well as the Kiston Solak Show. Um, make sure you're doing all that stuff as, as part of uh, getting re-energized by BGN Radio and following this football team who, by the way, Brandon, play their second preseason game on Thursday night. And I, I had... I'm a little embarrassed because I had I had the opponent in front of me. Like I know we played the Steelers last week, and I I, I knew I had it, and I just flew right out of my head. I'm, I'm trying to remember who we're playing on Thursday night. Can, uh, a little help, John. I can't believe you forgot the first episode. It is the team <laughs> that uh, I'm trying to think here. Oh, it's right. It's the team that the Eagles played earlier this year on February 4th when they beat them 41 to 33. When Nick Foles caught a touchdown pass in the end zone when Tom Brady dropped a pass in the middle of the field when Brandon Graham strip sacked Tom Brady, which is probably one of the most defining and biggest moments yeah. of my life when I, I just remember being there and I've talked about this a ton, but I will never get tired of talking about it where I was just in the yeah. stands looking down on the field in Minnesota. I am shaking just the daylights out of the guy next to me because I just lost control of my body. It was it was an amazing experience. It is so fun to think that there is a I mean, it's silly to think it's a Super Bowl rematch, quote unquote, because like, come on, right. guys, it's a it's right. a game in the middle of August. It just doesn't matter. But at the same time, it completely matters because we all get to think about how awesome it was for this team to win the Super Bowl. It's just another chance to kind of to live in that. And at the same time, I mean, it's the second preseason game. Like we got to see some of these young guys just yeah. like we saw against the Steelers. So uh, another big opportunity here for some of these camp battles, some of these roster battles to be won and lost. Uh, there's definitely some interesting things going on in this game. So, you know, we can, we all talk about the Super Bowl angle, but it's, you know, a pretty important game as far as preseason games can be important. And I, I didn't, by the way, to the listening audience. I just went. I just did all my bona fides about how big an Eagles fan I am. I, I knew who we were playing this week. <laughs> just, just that was for the theatrics of the moment. No, but for, I mean, we all. We, training camp is now over. Um, and you know, like you said, uh, these games are going to start to matter in really for specific players. Really, more when nobody cares about wins and losses. And really, the main goal with preseason football is that none of your stars get injured. We saw what happened yes. with Darius Geis, the Redskins rookie running back, who tore his ACL in the first preseason game. You just, you, you'd love to just wrap everybody in bubble wrap. And I, I can't imagine there's a player out there who wouldn't want that too. So, I mean, obviously that's, that's the most important thing. And um, obviously the, the biggest question mark that we have uh, heading into the season. And now that training camp is over is how, you know, where are we with Carson Wentz? Because throughout training camp, he did not participate in any 11 on 11 drills. Um, we're hearing that he, he's going to return to 11 on 11s uh, in practice next week, BLG. How's he look to you when he's been out there doing seven on seven so far? John, he has done a little bit of 11 11, but it, it, it's, has, it's okay. easy for you to forget this, though, because he only did it for the first couple of days here. He only did it for uh, the first two or so days. And then as soon as there was one day where Elijah Qualls drove Chance Warmack back into almost right into Carson Wentz's surgically repaired knee although and then Carson Wentz <laughs> and like, that's enough and and oh my gosh you could hear some of the people at camp like just audibly gasp like <gasps> and oh man I can imagine and you know it was fine I mean Carson got out of trouble and it wasn't really that bad at all I mean there was no contact so he Carson got out of trouble's way and that was great to see honestly I mean because he's gonna eventually face those moments in the season so it was nice to see him still be able to kind of move and get out of the way and look when Carson was practicing in 11-11 he looked awesome 
He was great. Mm. He was like he was throwing lasers all over the field. He had a one pass to Shelton Gibson about 30 yards down the field that was just on a rope. Uh, that was one of the, the highlight plays he had in that limited time. And then it kind of got weird, John, because the Eagles backed him off after he was doing that 11 on 11. There's speculation that, you know, is there some kind of swelling? Is there a setback? I don't know. I don't think I am of the belief that that was the case. I think I believe the Eagles and maybe I'm being naive and maybe the Super Bowl is kind of just my green midnight green glasses on here. But I, I really think that when Doug Peterson is saying, oh, Carson Wentz look good and we don't need to see him in 11 on 11 in an environment mm-hmm. where he could unnecessarily get hurt and we want to be careful. I think they're being honest and I think they are being careful. And, you know, even hearing him, Carson Wentz now on WIP this week say that it's going to be close and somehow that being this new big revelation i don't think that is news to me i think it was always going to be close like how was it not going to be close we always knew it was going to be close and i am still of the belief and i always have been that he's going to play week one that's stuff we were hearing back in january last year we were hearing reports that it was possible for him to be ready i think he's looked so good in terms of his mobility watching him on these rollouts, on these bootlegs, even after practice working on some of those drills. I am I continue to be of the belief that he's going to play week one and I don't think it's rushing him. People always think, oh, if he plays in week one, it's automatically rushing him. Look, if the doctors clear him, if Carson Wentz feel he's ready, if the coaching staff feels he's ready, it's not a rush at that point. I know it might be right. earlier than people expect, and it's earlier than an, like a, a, a timeline of a regular ACL might take, but that doesn't matter as much to me as what Carson Wentz's doctors say and, and his specific situation. So that's where I'm at with it still. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, is his knee still healing uh, or is it, you know, if, it, if it's fine, then it's just basically a matter of delaying the risk. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you know, it's just a matter of we don't want to run the risk of him getting hurt. I mean, you know, they, they they could they'd get into a lot of they'd take a lot of heat if 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 Wentz got injured doing uh, 11 on 11s when he didn't need to be doing 11 on 11s. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't need to see him in a preseason game. I don't want him anywhere near a preseason. Maybe you want to get him a quarter in the fourth game or something, maybe. But for me, I'm I'm fine just kind of letting Carson get back into 11-on-11s in practice and, and letting him stand on the sidelines for all these preseason games. And, you know, if he's ready, if that gets him ready for week one, then then great. But, you know, I guess, you know, what odds do you give him to play in week one then? is it Do you think it's more likely than not that he's ready to go for the opener? Yeah, I think it is. I, I really do. And I've I, I've consistently maintained that too. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm unflappable in my belief that Carson Wentz will play in week <laughs> one. And, and look, I mean, obviously him not, being in 11 on 11s fully tells you that okay there's some kind of chance we'll see here but i just think it's he is going to be ready and because when is he like okay so if he's not ready for week one how much longer would it take after that i mean clearly the eagles did not put him on the physically unable to perform list the pup list which tells us that they think he's going to be closer to week one than it would be say week seven because he'd be out automatically six weeks if he stayed on the pup list uh so that's a sign there that and then and after the first game okay there's 10 games till that next game which would be on the week two sunday uh in september so so maybe it's it's that kind of a deal but i just feel like what's that difference between those 10 days is it that big maybe i don't know doug peterson said he feels like he wants to get carson wentz at least one week 
of a full practice before you can play. And he said, ideally more. Now, uh, it's at the point where the Eagles are saying that Wentz will be reevaluated after this week's Patriots game. And if he does start participating in 11-11 again, that'll be a little bit over two weeks. It'll be about like two and a half weeks here of practice he has for week one. So I think that kind of gives him enough time to, to be ready. So, again, I am remaining consistent in my take that he will be ready for week one. Yeah, and I just, unless barring a setback, that, right. that makes sense to me as well. I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's anything really to gain by having him miss week one. If, if he's healthy, then he's going to have to get in there at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you don't want to be afraid to put your quarterback back in there, and you don't want to make him think that you're afraid to put him back in there. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I love, I like, I like what you have to say about that situation because we all want Carson Wentz. And if it's Nick Foles in Week One, then you got Nick Foles, right. you know, and you could do a whole, you could do a whole lot worse as a backup quarterback. Do we want to get in real quick to the the Jalen Ramsey stuff about uh, about Carson Wentz? If you, for those of you who didn't hear it, uh, the Jaguars' stud cornerback um, did an interview with GQ and had a lot of really nice things to say about Carson Wentz. He was asked about a lot of the quarterbacks in the league and talked first about Deshaun Watson, the Texans uh, young quarterback, said um, that he'll be a league MVP in a couple of years, 100%. No no debate about that. Him and Carson Wentz, for every year starting now until five to ten years, it's going to be them too. They're that good. I guess the reputation for for Carson Wentz is is out around the NFL, even though he wasn't a part of that. Um, He was obviously, I think, you and I, I know – think that he was the league MVP before he got hurt. And obviously everybody's talking about Nick Foles because of what he did in the playoffs. But Carson Wentz is is still obviously seen as the man around the NFL. Very much so. I mean, you look at the NFL uh, top 100 list that they release every year, which is silly. It's a silly list. But still, I mean, it's made by NFL players. And they voted Carson Wentz as the number three player in the league. And I think that says a lot. And by the way, I will say that even though... He played in so like 3.25 fewer games than Tom Brady did last year. He still finished with more touchdowns and I think at least one more touchdown and at least one fewer interception. So just something that any, you know, his team didn't win, or sorry, his team didn't lose the Super Bowl either. So um, (laughs) just another thing to consider. But I mean, the Jalen Ramsey thing is great because. That guy is like just trashing everyone. He's saying <laughs> he Eli awesome. Manning isn't good. <laughs> he just, oh my gosh, he just like just so brutal on Josh Allen. Just, I think Josh Allen oh. is trash. I don't care what nobody say. He is trash. And it's going to show too. That is a stupid draft pick to me. We play them this year and I am excited as hell about it. <laughs> that was <laughs> something else, man. Yeah, that he is unloaded. Amazing. <laughs> he unloaded on Joe Flacco, said he sucks. He was very patronizing about Dak Prescott. He's like, he, I liked how he talked himself down from Dak Prescott. I was going to say, yeah, like, the, the compliment dropped precipitously. All right. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. exactly how to describe it. Ben Roethlisberger, decent at best. Matt Ryan, overrated. Uh, Jared Goff, average to above average, which doesn't seem so bad. But still, I mean, for all of those guys to get those kind of things said about them, and then for... Jalen Ramsey to be like, oh, man, Carson Wentz, he's just going to be uh, an annual MVP candidate. I love that. I mean, yeah. look, Jalen Ramsey isn't – I don't. I like how he's just now the authority on everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's it's his opinion. But I, it's still it, – it, that there's not – like, that's not irrelevant. There's something to that. It is – they see Carson Wentz and his personality and his – who he is 
not only as a player and a talent, which, you know, obviously he checks all those boxes, but how he is as a person, too, and his work ethic and the respect and everything. I think one of the interesting things that Jalen Ramsey had said in this was he hadn't heard good things about Ryan Tannehill. Like, he didn't really know a lot about Ryan Tannehill's caliber because I guess he didn't watch him, but he hadn't heard good things. I'm sure, you know, guys yeah. talk around this league. They, things yeah. get around. And I think for, for Carson Wentz to be mentioned as an MVP in his mind, it's not just about his talent, but it also says a lot about his personality as well. Well, let's move off of Carson Wentz. Obviously, we, we hope we see him uh, on, uh, on on in the opener, and we, we hope he gets a back into 11-on-11s 11 in, uh, in practice. But one of the other big stars of this team, the offense, um, that we got a little bit of a report on this week from Ian Rappaport is Alshon Jeffrey reported that uh, he's still covering from his rotator cuff surgery, no setback or anything like that, but mentioned the possibility that he could open the season on the pup list. And if that happens, he can't play until week three, right? Uh, week six or week well, six. So, or week seven. It would be the first six games. Yeah, so six okay. games, and it's <laughs> that seems unlikely to me. BLG. I mean, it seems very much like he would be closer to week one than week seven. And the funny thing about some of these Ian Rappaport tweets this off season, and look, it's it's not personal, <laughs> Ian, but man, you're kind of like reporting things in a way where it's like. You kind of almost report all possibilities. Like he did this with the Vinnie Curry thing. He was like, well, Vinnie Curry is either going to be traded or he's going to be cut or the Eagles might keep him. Oh, well, I like, yeah, Ian, like those are all three <laughs> of the possibilities that are going to like, yes, you're going to be yeah. right on one of those. So, yeah. but the Ashan thing is weird because the talk all along has been that like week one is the goal. It was never that it was going to linger into the season, especially six weeks in. I mean, I, I think it just doesn't seem likely to me that they're going to put him on the regular season PUP list because look, even if he misses, let's say the first two games, I mean, you don't put him on the PUP list. Like you just, you put him on the 53 man roster. It it sucks that you have to have his roster spot tied up for a couple weeks there because he can't play, but you don't keep him out for five or, you know, three (laughs) more weeks or whatever, you know, or four more weeks just because, uh, you know, (laughs) you you want that roster spot. So I really don't, I don't really, and Doug even said, Doug, Doug Peterson after practice on uh, Tuesday really kind of threw cold water on that. And he was like, I don't know where that came from. So I think, I don't know if Alshon will be ready for week one. I think it's very possible he misses the Falcons game, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, I think he's not going to start the season on that PUP list. And we'll talk about how Alshon missing a game or two could affect the the opening uh, the opening roster, um, the fifty three man roster when when the season breaks. Because um, obviously losing Alshon means you lose your number one wide receiver. Some folks are going to get bumped up. So we'll we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Any other any other updates from from training camp you wanted to mention along? Um, any any players that you saw you thought really helped themselves the most in camp this summer? Absolutely, John. That's that's one of the most things that's been killing me about not being able to do a podcast it's like <laughs> there's so much to talk about every single yeah. day um so it's hard to fit that all into one thing but some i will say some of the best players from training camp this year have been not like necessarily the surprise guys some guys who you already probably thought or knew might have been good and and jalen mills has been one of the best players in camps th- in camp this year at cornerback ronald darby has also been really good and we'll talk about him a little bit later Fletcher Cox, again, you already know he is good, but he has been a monster, and he was a monster against mm-hmm. the Steelers. And that guy earlier this offseason said that the next thing for him was being defensive player of the year. And he almost he kind of laughed that off because as good as Fletcher Cox is, he doesn't get kind of you know those defensive 
player of the year numbers. His impact usually yeah. goes beyond the stat sheet. But man, like the way he is practicing and the way he is playing, I am not thinking that is like impossible. I don't think it's likely, but I, I don't think it's impossible anymore. Um, so you're looking at those guys. You're looking at a, a Nelson Aguilar, who I think is going to be even better than he was last year. And I think that's significant. I think last year was about making a jump from being you know, a, a really, really bad player, one of the worst wide receivers in the league, to good, to competent, to yeah. to yeah. A, a very good slot receiver. But I think he can go from a very good slot receiver to maybe a kind of Pro Bowl caliber slot player. And I don't I'm not saying that means I, I think he's going to make the Pro Bowl, but I think he's going to be that kind of he could take that kind of next step forward. So that's exciting as well. Um, you have some young guys in here, like a Matt Pryor, who kind of came out of nowhere, the Eagles' six-round pick, kind of really stepping up at guard. There was a time where Doug Peterson kicked Chance Warmack out of a first-team uh, drill because he had just gotten flagged for a false start, and he put Matt Pryor in there. And Pryor has been getting a lot of hmm. – reps at right guard of the second team they like his ability to play tackle as well i think he makes chance warmack or isaac samalo i would personally hope would be chance warmack for many reasons yeah. <laughs> uh expendable yeah. so there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys here i think that have stood out i think you know you, you also look at guys who've had bad camps such as a donnell pumphrey and is in danger of make of losing this team and it wasn't even that he was terrible before the injury, I don't think he was great, but I, th- I thought he was building some positive momentum. But as they say, you cannot make the club in the tub, and he's been hurt, so that hurts him. <laughs> I think you look at a um, a Matt Collins, who has been getting these first-team reps with Alshon Jeffrey not practicing. And I wouldn't say Mac has looked bad by any means, but I don't think he's done a lot to stand out. You know, you would have hoped to see more. So in that sense, it's dis- been disappointing. And then two of the biggest things I will I will end in this, you know, the the weak side linebacker competition. First of all, it's almost like who cares because that guy's going to play about a quarter of the snaps. Uh, like the right, Eagles they are, do a lot of they do a lot of three safety Eagles. Defense, yeah, and they're yeah. they're not going to use their base defense the whole game. They're they're, they're going nickel. They're going big nickel. Um, but I, I really like what I've seen out of Kamu Gruje Hill. At the same time, the Eagles clearly just do not care what I think, and I've been putting Nate Gary. Uh, as they're started there. But the one of the most interesting battles, and one that continues to rage on here, is the nickel corner battle. Because, look, mm. I think Sidney Jones is the most likely candidate for that job. But all of a sudden here, Avante Maddox is getting first team reps at nickel corner for the last three days. And I'm assuming that means he's going to start against the Patriots. So although training camp is over here, in terms of the practices we get to watch, there's still some battles to shake out in these preseason games. Yeah, and one of the let's just stick with cornerback for for just a second because you wrote a post for bleedinggreennation.com today um, where sources were telling you that the the Eagles were very much open to trading Ronald Darby this offseason and I know that there's still something that we hear talked a lot about the possibility that because they they have so many corners in camp here that there's a possibility that Darby could be moved and that could make a lot of these decisions like, you know, who's your nickel corner could make it a, a little bit easier for Jim Schwartz. Absolutely. And and to be clear here, and just so before people go crazy with anything, I'm not saying the Eagles are likely to trade Ronald Darby. All I'm saying is that I heard they have weighed it, and I'm, I'm sure they weigh trading a lot of their players. But I think it is significant because it is not a situation where they think, okay, Ronald Darby is staying here no matter what. 
And right. now maybe that has, has changed just because he's looked so good in camp and they feel really good about it. But to me, I think if they get a second round pick, I think they're thinking real hard about that. And I think it's going to be mm. hard for them to get that kind of pick, of course, because who is giving up a second round pick for a player on the last year of their deal? I mean, you're going to have to pay this guy. Uh, you risk losing him in free agency if you do trade for him. But you can't underestimate that there are some desperate teams out there. I mean, we saw the Vikings give up a first and a fourth for Sam Bradford, and the Eagles are obviously not yeah. going to get that for Ronald Darby, but you never know. There was a report. Well, an, in- an injury happens, and yes. you know that's what happened with, with Teddy Bridgewater exactly. when, when the Eagles got that pick. You know, never know a big – you know, hey, listen, Jalen Ramsey, for example, goes out <laughs> and tears his ACL. Who's to say the Jaguars don't come calling with an offer? And there's talk that the Dolphins are, are – I think Omar Kelly from the, uh, the, the South Florida Sun Sentinel had said that the Miami is – looking for a corner and Miami is a team that traded for Byron Maxwell. So <laughs> that's right. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see how that shakes out, but it's interesting though. It's, it's definitely an interesting situation just because you're looking at the Eagles suddenly working Avante Maddox in that first team defense. Like I was just saying, and if he's your slot corner and if Darby and Mills aren't getting traded, where does that leave Sidney Jones? It doesn't leave him on yeah. the playing field. So we'll see after we'll have to see how that one shakes out still. Right, I know the Eagles were talking a lot about the fact not having a first-round pick this year. They looked at Sidney Jones coming as a first-round yes. pick, basically, after picking him you know, in the second round last year and knowing that they basically wouldn't have him for all of last season, using him as, a, as their de facto first-round pick for this year. And they obviously, I would imagine, want to get him on the field uh, when they can. Um, but let, let me, we, we can also talk about the guy that they did pick first in this draft real quick. Before we move on to the, to the game against New England here on Thursday night, let's talk about Dallas Goddard real quick who everybody's raving about this guy. You see him, you see him on the playing field. You saw him again on, on the field against the Steelers in the first preseason game. And man, he just, as good as Zach Ertz is, Dallas Goddard looks like a real special talent BLG. And it seems as though, how, how much are they going to use him this year? How, how much are they going to do a lot of two tight ends, a lot of, you know, a lot of packages where, you know, you can move Dallas into the slot and have, have Ertz a tight end. How, how are they going to get creative using both these guys? It's going to be hard to keep Dallas Goddard off the field because, man, that guy is good. He's really <laughs> like, good. He's really good. I've watched him now in every offseason practice that the Eagles have had. And, man, like you can just tell this guy is ready to make an impact. And now, look, typically it takes rookie tight ends time to adjust in the NFL. I would say even more so than some other positions. But... I mean, he was out there looking great in the preseason game action. So it's not just like he's this guy who tears up practice and can't do anything in the games. I mean, we'll have to see how the regular season goes. And I just think because Ertz is ahead of him and because, you know, they, they still have – it's not like their wide receivers are no-name guys here. I mean, you're not going to take Mike Wallace off the field forever. I mean, he obviously has a role in this offense, as does Nelson Aguilar, as does Alshon Jeffrey when he'll be on the field. So uh, I don't know exactly – if we're going to see a ton of playing time from him, but that's fine. I don't think Dallas Goddard needs to be this guy who comes in and he's he's not going to be this guy you're, you're throwing to on every play. He's not going to be this target monster, this volume guy, I should say. I don't think that's the player he is. I think, especially early on, I think he's going to be a really efficient target. I think that guy is going to be unstoppable in the red yeah. zone. I've seen him in practice. Like No one can cover him in the red zone. He's just he's too big, and he's too fast, and he knows how to use leverage, and he knows how to get open. We saw that against the Steelers, where Nate Sudfeld rolls out, Dallas Goddard 
finds a soft spot in the zone there and he gets open easy touchdown I mean that is going to be his bread and butter this season I think it's 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 time John it is time to (laughs) to get excited about Dallas Goddard that guy he might not post these huge stats this year but I think he's going to be very important on third down and very important in the red zone I think he I think he could get quite a decent amount of touchdowns for a rookie tight end here so that is a guy who's definitely worth getting excited about over under 550 receiving yards this year I'm going to go under just because, again, I think mm-hmm. there's so many targets to to, to yeah. share between here, and I don't think he has that big volume role. But I don't think that means he's going to have you know a disappointing season at sure. all. I think he could. I think he could even be at like. I think I put my projection for him around like 280 or something. Like that doesn't seem like a ton, but I still think he's going to be a really effective weapon for this team. Oh, well, let's talk about the game here uh, on Thursday night against the Patriots. And uh, obviously, you know, we didn't see <laughs> the first game was the Nate Sudfeld show uh, against the Steelers. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of Nick Foles in this game. He's going to get the start. Uh, will he play any more than just a series or two? Yeah, I don't think he'll play too much. I think I think three, about two or three series, depending how they go. Obviously, if they have a couple, if they have like two, three and outs, I'm sure they'll put them back in for a third, see if they can get something going there. Um, one of the more interesting things I'm, I want to see with Nick Foles is if, is if Tom Brady actually shakes his hand. I was after thinking the game that same thing, BLG. <laughs> I was totally wondering. I was saying to myself earlier today, I'll bet you this is the first time Tom Brady will have talked to Nick Foles if they see each other on the field before the game. Yeah, we gotta we gotta see it at some point. All the cameras are going to be looking for it. Nick Foles was asked about it after practice on Tuesday. And, of course, he did a great job of kind of downplaying that, saying, like, look, I know you guys are making a big story of this in the media. It doesn't really matter to me. I talked to Tom Brady when he was here back in the Eagles and Patriots had joint training camp practices in 2013. He's a good guy. I like him. So, you know, Nick Foles is always going to say the right things. But come on. We got to see the handshake. You got <laughs> to make up it. for it, Tom. Tom, be a man. Be a man be a about man. the whole thing. Come on now. And, uh, you know, I think that for as far as Nate Sudfeld goes, that this is this is a pretty big game for him. And really, all these preseason games are pretty big. I mean, if we're seeing a lot of Nate Sudfeld during the regular season, some very bad things have gone down. Um, oh, how yeah. important are these games for 2019 for him? Because Nick Foles is, this is his last year. This is the last year of his deal. It's hard to see a scenario in which Foles is back as the backup. The Eagles need to kind of make a decision on Sudfeld. And, and really, I guess these preseason games and, you know, what he does in practice somewhat during the course of the season will determine that but it's mostly going to be these games isn't it Nate Sudfeld has been okay to this point I think he's shown some good things I think he's has shown some struggles as well I think that's his issue right now he's kind of inconsistent you're looking for and of course you know he's obviously not going to step up and be this you know I don't think he's ever really realistically going to be this you know full-time really good starting player I just don't think that's what he is I think I think he could potentially be a low-end starter in the league, or at least a pretty good backup. I think that's what the Eagles are obviously hoping for, that he can kind of be Carson Wentz's long-term backup here. That would be great. Now, Nate Sudfeld is a restricted free agent after this season, so that means they can pretty much easily keep him. I don't think it'll be too hard, but there will be a decision to be made, especially for an Eagles team that is tight against the cap. Um, Nick Foles will be gone because he has that contract where – 
Uh, it's like the mutual option where the Eagles, if they pick it up, Nick Foles can pay the Eagles $2 million, and then he that's like his buyout. He gets to become a rest- or an unrestricted free agent. I'm thinking they kind of did that contract right. so they could potentially trade him. If there's an offer out there, we'll see how that goes. But either way, he's going to be gone. Um, Sudfeld will probably be retained. And then a name, John, that is new to the team this week, it is Christian Hackenberg. Nice. A guy yes. Who- a guy who, a bunch celebrated signing. What was the thinking here, man? Oh my I, I gosh! Just, I didn't get it. I don't really get it either, John. Uh, <laughs> especially after watching his first practice, where his first two throws were interceptions. So I mean, I, I think that signing is almost Doug Peterson's. Has the potential to be Doug Peterson's magnum opus. Like he, I think he's just like, <laughs> look, I am so good. I can even make Christian Hackenberg into something. So you look at the quarterback situation for next year. You have Carson Wentz. He's eligible for that big mega contract he's eventually going to get. Um, he's your starter. Uh, you probably are able to retain Nate Sudfeld as a backup. And then Christian Hackenberg will be here to compete with Sudfeld and potentially be that number three guy. And look, you know, Hackenberg is only 23. He has some good tools, you could say. He's but toolsy. man, yeah. He That's is, a baseball term. He's toolsy. He's toolsy, but he is also terrible. He is horrible. I've watched <laughs> a good amount of Penn State games that he played. I, I thankfully did not watch too many Jets games, and it wouldn't have mattered because he has le- never yeah. played an NFL down regular season, although I have seen some of his performances against the Eagles in the preseason, and they've been horrible. So not really expecting much out of there, but I always think to myself, maybe – just maybe if there is a coaching staff that could turn it around, maybe it is this one. And maybe turning ar- around doesn't mean making him into a good player, but maybe into a not total disaster player, which is it would be a big step up. Yeah, put Doug Peterson in Canton if he can even turn Christian Hackenberg <laughs> into a serviceable backup. Yes, you know, that agreed. Just give him get get the bust ready to go. Don't don't even wait the the length of time you need to induct somebody. Get it done. So, um, so obviously we saw a lot of stuff that went down in the in the Pittsburgh game. A lot of the guys that uh, perform well, some guys getting a lot of playing time. What did we see in that game that can affect what we might see against New England on Thursday night? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think you know we got to see going back to Sudfeld there. I think we, we're looking for more consistency. You saw the flashes. You saw that great throw to Shelton Gibson. You saw the nice movement in the pocket, BLG. Yeah, from, I loved it. Uh, I yeah. loved seeing him on the the Dallas Goddard touchdown. He almost looked like Carson out there a little bit. You yeah, know, rolling out avoiding a free rusher, but you also saw the inconsistency. Like I said, you saw him throw a pick on what was it for his first throw of the game where a Steelers cornerback is just sitting down on that route and he just jumps it there. And the other interception he threw, Doug Peterson had kind of mentioned that was more on Bryce Treggs for uh, the route that he had ran and everything kind of slipped up a little there, but still, I mean, we just, we want to see a little bit more out of him. We want to see a little bit more uh, good decision-making. And, and one thing that he's struggled with too is, kind of getting the ball out on time. Like he's a little late on some of these throws. Like he's waiting for things to develop as opposed to throwing with anticipation here. So we kind of want to see him get that ball out quick and make some good decisions. Um, As far as the rest of what basing the rest on what we saw in that first game and how it could affect this week. I mean, I'm interested to see how this first team defense is going to look again, because man, they looked awesome against the Steelers. What it was like two straight three and outs. And then, uh, Fletcher Cox was a monster, like you mentioned he, earlier. He was, Man, he was, he was a beast, oh. and he was look, he was beasting all pro guard um, 
what's his I'm blanking on his name right now from the Steelers, but like that's how good he was immediately just coming in or uh David DeCastro, that's it. Like immediately just comes in and, and beasts that guy in the preseason. Look, look, like Fletcher Cox yeah. doesn't even need to be going at full speed at this time of year. And he's right, like chasing right. down screenplays. It's like this is great in the sense of like he looks awesome, but also like Fletcher Cox, what are you doing, man? Like yeah, take don't it get easy. Hurt, man. Don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Save some bullets for week nine. Yes. Uh, seriously. Um, well, I mean, I think there's also going to be obviously some position battles to watch here. Some of these guys are going to be getting some playing time, trying to make the last spots on the roster. If we're looking at wide receiver, obviously, if Alshon Jeffrey misses a week or two, that's going to probably open up a spot. And I would imagine it makes more sense for this team maybe to put six wide receivers on the on the uh, the, the opening 53 man, just to you know, so you, if you're not going to put Jeffrey on the pup list, I, I would imagine BLG. Do you want to have five wide receivers going into that game? Yeah, yeah. So you, I think you definitely do. I think it's real interesting with that. I mean, it's when I say interesting, I mean, it's as interesting as a sixth wide receiver spot battle could be. But it is interesting in right. the sense of I don't know who that guy is right now because I don't think anyone stepped up. And I, I think that's a little disappointing. I think it's and it's funny, too, because I think there's it's not just like the Eagles don't have guys that can be that guy. I think they do. I just don't think anyone has really seized that. And I think Marcus Wheaton really missing some time here hurts him because I think he could have been that guy and he was looking like he might be able to be that guy. But now it seems like he might miss the second preseason game into addition to missing the first one. Um, you're also looking at Bryce Treggs, who I think has kind of come on lately, but do they really count on him on special teams? And speaking of special teams, and a guy that I saw, see you have mentioned here, John, is Kamar yeah. Aiken, who yeah. has not looked good in terms of catching yeah. the ball, but <laughs> he has that size. He has NFL experience. He has the Joe Douglas bias going for him that he's a former Raven, which can't hurt. <laughs> Look, I mean, that sixth guy probably isn't going to get much playing time anyway. So if he is going to be on special teams most of the time, it might not matter a ton that he hasn't looked great as a receiver and they might just keep him on in that role. This kind of... I know those spots kind of get not as they're not fun for fans because you're looking at a guy who might be a little more flashier on offense, but you're not really getting to see how that guy plays on special teams. And they kind of keep the unsexy pick and a veteran like Kamar Aiken. Yeah, and that's where a lot of those guys live. They they live on special teams, and that's important. You know, we we see how often special teams can swing a game. It, getting guys downfield and Dave Phipps' units are usually one of the best in in football. Having giving him the horses, it's he, that guy's going to get more time in special teams, and he probably will be as the fifth wide receiver anyway. I mean, Mac Collins last year was the fourth wide receiver, and we barely ever saw him on the field. So, I mean, let's also look at running back too. I think last year when we were talking about Corey Clement, we were talking about a guy who I, I just. He was a guy who I think everybody thought, yeah, kind of serviceable. You know, he, he might not be – he might. he's a, probably a nice thing to have around, dependable, get you from point A to point B, but not going to do anything that, that, you know, really stirs your drink. But we watched him in the playoffs. We watched him late in the season really turn himself into a force. And I don't think that was a fluke. I think what we saw from Corey Clement was a guy just grab the role and, and, and run with it. And now – so he's, he's established himself along with Jay Ajayi as – and Darren Sproles as the the top three running backs on this team, but who's going to be the fourth running back right now? It seems like it's coming down to Josh Adams and Wendell Small. Wendell Smallwood, BLG. Could it, could it really be Wendell Smallwood? It could be John because <laughs> Josh Adams is hurt now. I don't I don't <laughs> think it's serious. Uh, he apparently had told Jeff McLean that he's going to be okay and back at practice soon. But again, 
you're still missing this preseason action. I mean, that's a that's a big time for running backs, especially more than any other position, to really prove yourself. I mean, because you can only do so much in practice here when you're not really tackling to the ground anymore at this point. Uh, it's disappointing to see Josh Adams potentially missing this game. I would have liked to see what he can do with more playing time because, to me, he was kind of in the lead there for that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. But now it could be a Wendell Smallwood because – not because he's actually really good at anything in particular, but because in theory he can play on special teams and Dave Phipp had praised him for that. So that's certainly something to note. And he can catch the ball a little bit and be a receiving back. He can pass block a little bit. Um, He's not a great runner, but he can do that a little bit. Like there's nothing that's overly making you feel great about Wendell Smallwood, but he could almost be the fourth running back by default just because Josh Adams could be missing time. Maybe the Eagles try to put him as a, like a phantom injured reserve guy with this injury, um, kind of stash him away there. You know, Donald Pumphrey has not been practicing. I think he's almost out of the race entirely at this point because who knows when he's even going to be back. We don't know. We haven't really heard any kind of potential time frame. And then Matt Jones is around, but he hasn't really done anything. Like, he he missed some time, too. He, he didn't play, obviously, against the Steelers. And maybe he has a big game against the Patriots, John, and all of a sudden we're here next week talking about how it's going to be Matt yeah. Jones. So. Uh, again, Matt, Matt Jones is the guy who really interested me, BLG. I mean, he ran for over nearly 500 yards back in 2016 with the Redskins. Yeah. He had like four and a half yards a carry. I mean, um, he, he seemed like a guy who probably out of all the guys we just mentioned has has the most talent. But right. again, you're talking about a fourth running back, and that's probably a guy you want you want for special teams as well, like you just mentioned. Yeah, that's going to be a big factor in all of that. I'm curious to see who it'll be. It's it's funny, again, because it's it's just like the sixth receiver thing. It's like it doesn't matter. Like, like It really doesn't. It, the yeah. first three guys, too, I think are going to be so big for this team. I think it's another three-headed monster. You have mm-hmm. uh, Jay Ajayi as that lead back, and he looks great against the Steelers again. Like I was just saying, Fletcher Cox, take it easy, man. Jay Ajayi is running through traffic and breaking tackles, and he literally lost his shoe on that play, and he's still going down the field. It's like, that is awesome to see. Also, please don't, Doug Peterson, don't put him back in the game. Like, I've seen all I need to see out of Jay Ajayi at this point. And, again, Corey, the Eagles are so high on him. And I, I cannot stress how much that guy has developed from where he was last year at this point because you know we we think about where Corey Clement ended the season being this guy who had a hundred receiving yards in the Super Bowl I mean that he was not that player early on the season like he was not ready to do that then he developed through the season and I think he's developed even more now so that's exciting and then Darren Sproles John Darren Sproles totally forget about Darren Sproles man at 35 years old coming off not only an ACL injury but a broken arm too he looks fine he i mean like in a good way i mean he looks completely like it he, he, completely like it, the injury never happened he looks spry as ever he looks shifty he's juking people out of their shoes and practice it's great to see it is exciting to me to think about this offense was one of the best in the league last year and now they're adding darren sproles another offensive weapon now you're giving doug peterson that guy to add into the mix as well that's going to be great Tell you, guy, I'm really interested in seeing um, tonight is uh, is Derek Barnett, the the number one draft pick from from last year. I mean, I think 
we're kind of expecting him to take a, a step forward this year. And I know Brandon Graham doesn't look like he is a good chance. He won't be ready for week one. And this is kind of a year that you would want Derek Barnett to take a, a little bit more of, um, of a prominent role on, on the defensive line, because, you know, we got Chris long, who's, who's nearing the end here. And, you know, you've got, um, Brandon Graham who might not even play in Brand- week one, depending how, uh, right. Brandon Graham. I'm thinking of the guy, the guy who's in trouble. Um, the name just flew Michael right Bennett. Out of my head. Yeah. Michael Bennett. Michael too. Bennett. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are not going to be around for, for a whole lot longer. And, uh, it, I think what you want to see is Derek Barnett establish himself as kind of Brandon Graham's number two. I agree, John, and it's kind of been a quiet offseason for Derek Barnett, and not in the sense that, like, you know, I see him getting dominated out here. I just, and again, it's hard, too, to always judge defensive linemen and practice drills where they can't sack yeah. the quarterback, so you're not always going <laughs> to see the results bear out there. Um, but I, I do want to see more from him, for sure, and, and I think it's important, especially, as we said, with Brandon Graham potentially missing some time at the beginning of the season. We'll see. We don't know for sure. And even even if Brandon Graham is playing, uh, like we know that Jim Schwartz loves to rotate his defensive ends. Derek Barnett is going to get a lot of playing time. Will he make the most of that playing time? I'm optimistic. I think Derek Barnett has underrated potential just because of his age. And I know Benjamin Solak, who clearly just hates Derek Barnett, as you may have read <laughs> in a post he did earlier this offseason. But I think the age thing is important, man. Like, he was only 21 last year. That's not irrelevant to me. He still doesn't have that grown man strength, or at least he didn't at that point. And I think that's something he's going to continue to add. And I think he has been working on his pass rush repertoire this offseason in terms of working on the different moves. Because we all know he can bend. We all know he can get around the edge. Mm -hmm. But can he be there with the bull rush? Can he be good with his hands? And I think I've seen that at times. I've seen him beat... Halapula Vadi Vaitai in those one-on-one drills, but I've also seen Big V kind of get the best of him at times. So it's it is a interesting year for Derek Barnett. Are we going to see that big leap? I don't know if we will, just because even like because I think some people kind of think like can he be this double-digit sack guy? And I don't think that's the right way to think because just because the Eagles rotate their defensive ends so much, I don't think he's going to have that kind of opportunity. But we can see an increase in you know in his pressure rate and and the production that we do see when he is out there you haven't podcasted for about two months but uh pulling halapulavati just like that no after problem not podcasting for two months. <laughs> I, I know you do this for a living blg but uh, that's still pretty damn impressive Thanks. one of the areas that concerns me and i'll be interested to see uh, against the patriots is defensive tackle i mean we're obviously not going to see tim tim jernigan for a while we might not see him all year yeah. uh Haloti Nada is, is getting up there as well and this to me seems like outside of Fletcher Cox who you know sometimes plays like uh, two defensive tackles at once it just seems like and this is an area on the defensive line where you know there's there's reason to be just a, a little bit concerned about the depth of defensive tackle right now so what are you looking for to, uh, to to see in this Patriots game the second preseason game from them I think it's a really big concern John I think you know we're it's easy to be very optimistic about this team in many ways as I was writing a post on bleedinggreennation.com today called 11 things i think about the eagles at the end of training camp i was like man i'm i'm, I'm i feel like i'm kind of being a homer here like i'm just i'm so optimistic yeah. about everything i mean how could i not be but defensive well, tackle they won the super bowl I know, they won the super bowl I mean, you have to yeah you know. but defensive tackle is one of those things where when you really think about it i mean if fletcher cox goes down god forbid who are your starting defensive tackles all of a sudden Destiny yeah. Vio and Haloti Nada. 
How good? That's shaky, man. How good are you really (laughs) feeling about that? Especially and not. Well, you you're going NASCAR. I think a lot if something like that happens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're gonna you're gonna take one of those defensive ends and and you're gonna move one of those guys inside if if you have have to. to. But like, man, I mean, this is a team that likes to rotate their defensive linemen. So it's not even just about those two guys starting. You have to figure, okay. Now, who else are we even getting in there? And you have to think about how this defensive line is so vital to this team's success. Like, they led the league in pressures last year. They won the Super Bowl ultimately and got there because, and literally, because of Brandon Graham making that strip sack. They won the game, and they won games with their defensive line. So to not have that, just I just I don't feel great about it. And I, again, I don't think you can even count on Timmy Jernigan playing for sure this season, as you said. And that's really unfortunate. I hope to be wrong about that. We will see. But just the fact that you don't even know if he's going to play. And if you have Fletcher Cox, that'll be great. And that'll certainly be something to cherish. But it's just, man, it is certainly a position right now where I don't feel good about. I almost wonder if they will do something to address that. We saw early on in training camp, Jason Lockenfora had said that he'd be shocked if the Eagles don't make two more trades before week one, and we haven't seen any yet. I would almost wonder if they would look to kind of address that somehow. I don't know if there's guys really out there that make sense for them, but I think it's kind of a position to keep an eye on. It's kind of funny. You don't see this much in football, but a straight up like cornerback for linebacker or up cornerback for defensive tackle trade. You know, something like it's not going to happen. You know, you trade for you trade for players and picks, mm-hmm. and, and usually not just player for player straight up. But uh, obviously, I think you're right. I think if if somebody if somebody shakes loose somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's an area that the, the Eagles would absolutely look to upgrade as a defensive tackle. Anything else you're looking at here uh, against the Patriots in the second game? Anything that uh, anything to watch for, maybe along the, the linebacker front or, or, or any, any other spot? How about this Australian punter they got? <laughs> well, at linebacker, starting there, I, I yeah. do want to see how the, the weak side uh, competition, if you want to call it that, continues to go. We'll see if Nate Gary continues to get those first team reps. I think... You know, Kamu Guje Hill, who was my pick to win the Will job. He's my guy. I like, I am a member of the Kamu club. I think (laughs) he makes plays, man. Like you saw it in the Steelers game. He was around the ball. I think he finished uh, with the most tackles of anyone on the team with six. He's flying around out there. So I want to see if he can kind of do that against his former team, the Patriots. Um, I, and I, and one thing I want to mention about this will linebacker battle now that we're talking about it is I almost think it's shadowed the bigger picture at, at, linebacker which is Jordan Hicks is back and that is amazing like yeah. that is a great thing for this I forgot team all about him BLG he's just you because he was hurt for for so much of last year it just completely flew out of everyone's mind that that he was gone and that he's back and it's a huge deal like when when healthy and I know he struggles staying healthy but in 2016 he played all 16 games so it's not impossible that we could see him right. stay healthy and play well I mean he is a playmaker. He makes plays on the ball. He's adept in coverage. He can make plays against the run. I am excited to have Jordan Hicks back. I think that is a big boost. Now, we're all talking about, you know, how does this Eagles defense kind of recover from being that team in the Super Bowl that gave up over 600 yards or it felt like a billion yards for whatever it was. I don't even remember. But uh, I think getting it was a Hicks billion. back. It was about it was a billion. billion. Yeah, it was a billion. Yeah, it didn't matter. It did, it could be a, right. infinity yards. It just they won, so I don't care. Yeah, but exactly. But but getting Jordan Hicks back, I think, is a big boost. And getting to the punter thing real quick, since you had mentioned it, and because people are 
dying to hear about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it will be interesting again, right? I mean, this this guy kicked an 81-yarder last week, Cameron yeah. Johnston. I mean, he's been inconsistent at times, too. So there have been some issues there. But I almost think that, you know, after kind of having not the best offseason, that they, they're going to give him a chance. I think he's going to make the team. And I don't think he's going to have a long leash at all. I think if he's, you know, he's screwing up. They're going to certainly find a way to bring another guy in but early on i think he's going to be the guy and we'll see how that goes look if he's if he's hitting 81 yarders i'm sure they'll they won't mind that i'll tell you what what would be beautiful is a 41 to 33 win by the eagles against the patriots uh, yes. uh again in the second preseason game that's that's my prediction blg that's my score prediction i gave to yeah. our friends over at uh pat's pulpit sp nation's ah. patriots site <laughs> I don't. I, I wasn't even trying to do it at first, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I, I have to definitely yeah, do this." Yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> well, listen, man. Um, this is going to be uh, the first of of many pregame shows uh, uh, that we do. Um, these uh, these setup shows uh, for the week ahead, and uh, obviously, we'll be doing them during the week during the preseason here when the games are on a weeknight. But um, uh, normally, you'll be able to hear uh, us doing BGN Radio on uh, Saturday mornings uh, leading up to uh, the Sunday game, and. You know, Brandon, man, it's so great to hear you back on the on the podcasting airwaves, and it's it's awesome to be to be doing this with you again, man. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a real fun season, and we've never done one where the Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champs. Absolutely, John. Thank you for joining the BGN Radio team, the Bleeding Green Nation team. It is awesome to have you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback from everyone. Look, this is new. We need to we need to hear from you. You need to yeah. subscribe yeah. to this podcast. You need to rate and review us. Give us some feedback. Tell us what do you like? What don't you like? Because, again, we're figuring all this out. It's all new for us. You have to to give us your feedback. And I, and I want to thank you all for, for being here with us and sticking with Bleeding Green Nation. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Those are not just empty words. This is a, a very big deal to me. So I thank you all. I thank you, John, for a great first episode, I feel like. I feel like we got off to a good start here. There was so much to cover. It is yeah. so hard to just <laughs> not do a podcast for two months and then – try to fit all that into a certain amount of time. So I think we're off to a good start. I'm excited about this. I'm excited to hear the recap show from Kisten Solak on Friday, reacting to the Eagles hopeful win over the Patriots in the preseason game here. So it should be good, John. I'm excited. And thanks again, bud. I am too. And make sure to be checking out BleedingGreenNation.com. That's where you'll find uh, the Bleeding Green Nation uh, podcast. Also, check out the rest of the SB, SB Nation, uh, Philadelphia Sports Teams podcasts, uh, Broad Street Hockey, Liberty Ballers, and The Good Fight, which is uh, the Phillies uh, podcast that uh, I'll be hosting a couple of shows on as well. Twelve shows total uh, that you'll be getting as part of this SB Nation, uh, Phillies, uh, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers uh, uh, launch here uh, as, as we're getting going. And you can, you can get the shows on itunes spotify stitcher google podcast anywhere that you've always gotten this podcast you can continue to get it there as well thanks everybody for tuning in we will talk to you all next time again listen for kisten solak on friday right here on bgn radio hey everybody how you doing Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. 
And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.